Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning. My name is Nathan Sather. I'm your host today. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you with us, and we're coming to you live here from the studio in Fargo. It's a crazy, I shouldn't say crazy, a special day here at Real Presence Radio. Uh, The semi-annual all-staff meeting is happening, so I got called in the break room, and a lot of people got to say hello and a lot of faces that it was good to see. I haven't seen for a while and some new faces, so hopefully when the show is over and we'll blink and it'll be done, that's how fast these two hours go. Uh, but I'll get over there and get a chance to uh, to see some new faces and, and some old faces, and I look forward to doing that. Uh, but we'll begin here, as we always do on Real Presence Radio, uh, with a prayer. And usually I just do a prayer, um, but something told me today I should go through part of the psalm from Mass today. So that's what we will do. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall ever be in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. Look to him that you may be radiant with joy, and your faces may not blush with shame. When the poor one called out, the Lord heard me, and from all his distress he saved me. The Lord confronts the evildoers to destroy remembrance of them from the earth. When the just cry out, the Lord hears them, and from all their distress he rescues them. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and those who are crushed in the spirit he saves. The Lord redeems the lives of his servants. No one incurs guilt who takes refuge in him. And may glory always be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you. Uh, Again, my name is Nathan Sather. I'm your host today. And today is kind of a special day uh, for me. I always love hosting for one. But our first guest is Stella Jeffrey. And I met Stella uh, basically through a really good friend of mine and ours, uh, Katie Dubas. And we kept trying to get together and connect. And then we accidentally connected at a Five Love Languages event that I hosted at the parish you were going to or was close to or something like that. I think it was St. Anthony of Padua. St. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you and your husband were there, and we had a really good time enjoying that. And it has, I think that is the last time I've seen you. I, I, it has I think been so. a long it's time. It's been a while. It's yeah. been quite a while. Now, I, I would like you I'm to I'm still know. speaking in love languages, though. <laughs> That's good. It, it, in, case, honest, in, case you, in case anybody's out there who's listening, Nathan does a wonderful workshop on the five love languages, and he's bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never have anything going on, so lots of free time. Um, but one of the jokes I try to play with people during that little seminar is it would be really nice if you had a man whose love languages was physical touch and his wife's was also. And it used to be a really good joke because no one would have, there was no marriages that had that. I actually finally had one. 
No way. That, yeah, I, I didn't think it was possible. Like the unicorn marriage of, of planet Earth came down. I, I was teasing them, but I told them, like, you really do have the potential to be the happiest marriage ever, right? <laughs> like, this never, never happens. But Stella, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you. Yeah, we... It was not Greg and I. We were not in the unicorn marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not my wife or I either, too. That's, you know, we, we're persevering through our love languages. <laughs> That's what we're doing, too. <laughs> but we wanted to talk a little bit about evangelization today, especially during this time. There's lots of Christmas parties, Advent parties, lots of different ways that we can come into touch with people we may not always be able to, and in a way in which it's not always the same for us to do during the obvious Christmas season. So, how would we like to start off on talking you, about the topic? You started in the great place is that we are blessed with the opportunity to see family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances that we wouldn't regularly see. Or we see them and then we see them in a context outside of work or in social settings and things like that. Just allowing for an opportunity for time to get into conversations. And we have all of our, our setups already present and not too too many weekends ago, we had a Chris Kindle market here in Fargo, and they did a beautiful job. It was over at the Fargo Civic Center, and I every time I saw it advertised, honestly, my heart was just like, oh my gosh, how funny! They think Merry Christmas is controversial, and they're really saying Christ Child over and over and over again on every <laughs> flyer everywhere as they're advertising it. I don't know that everyone caught that, but it was like it was uplifting just to see Chris Kindle like listed in various places. Um, so yeah, I think that it's not complicated. We just have to be aware of our opportunities that are before us and that it's just naturally the season to share what you do in your family for Christmas. And hopefully it's more than just opening presents, right? That there's, that of course that's a good thing, but that there's a reason why we're giving presents and that is that the joy of Christ coming to be with us, right? God being with his people. Yeah. Well, in addition to the parties and whatnot, I know I struggle as a parent because there's so many things that bombard my kids before Christmas Eve that's Christmassy, but I'm trying to be Advent-y, if that makes any <laughs> sense. I do have advice for folks like myself that struggle and uh, we're getting too caught up in Christmas before we've even gotten through the Advent expectation. Uh, all we can say is that... Uh, it is very contagious, right? I used to sort of resist all of it, too. Then I thought, why not? Like, let's have two solid months of Christmas. <laughs> we have a secular Christmas for a month, which is our Advent, right? Yeah. And then you have Christmas Christmas, right? So what, what, is, what can we do during secular Christmas season, which seems to be getting longer and longer? I, I, yeah. I think it's, when do you think it started? October 20th? I don't know. It was yeah. kind of at the same time, hell, we like, like <laughs> skeletons and nativity sets. Like yeah. Actually, not even nativity sets. Skeletons and Santa like standing well, next my, to each other. My kids sing a song. Um, they're going to be angry with me for not remembering the name of it, but it's something <laughs> about a Christmas can-can or something. <clears throat> and there's a line in there that says, I've heard my favorite Christmas song 20 times in a row and it's not even Halloween yet or something like that. They always laugh at that part, but I, it bothers me personally. It's like, I don't want that to be a part of our you know, Advent time. I want us to be able to celebrate in the manner in which the church prescribes us because that's what's best for us. Right. right. But I do like your advice. Like you, at some point you, if you can't resist, you got to embrace it and do the best you can through it. Right. So you're probably like, what does it look like? Well, it looks like, Actually, I won't tell you the station because I only listen to Catholic radio. <laughs> but 
hypothetically, if there was a station that played only Christmas music <laughs> after Thanksgiving, right? Uh, my radio was on that constantly, and in in the time of Advent, I I am like not even connected into the news because I'm immersed in this what I'm gonna say Christmassy, Adventy kind of culture now. So, what does Advent look like in our house? Right? Is that we don't have all the Christmas decorations out. We have the the wreath. I'm getting to the tree, but if the tree was up, the tree we usually have it up by this point. Um, but the tree just has just lights on it. Um, the other day, I was at one of my friends, one of my friends' house, and their Christmas tree up has lights on it, and then has purple bulbs. Just that's on only the purple bulbs. So it's an Advent tree. It's not the Christmas tree. And it's very noticeable. You come into the house and you're like, hmm, right? And now as a Catholic, I know what that is. Hey, that's a nice Advent tree, right? Yeah. But any of our neighbors that would come in and see a tree, I actually think I'm going to do that, right? Just put on purple bulbs because then they have something on it. Um, otherwise, it's just this, this green tree. But even even if it's just the green tree, like right? neighbors will come by or people stop by like, hey, when are you going to decorate your tree? I'm like, oh, yeah, we decorate our tree uh, as close to Christmas as we can you know, depending on when the family comes here, meaning the 24th or the 25th, you know, that we get that accomplished. So those would just be, there's other ways too, like your Christmas cards. Be intentional about the kind of Christmas cards you get. Santa's fantastic, you know, elves are fantastic, right? But go ahead, search, find those that would have scripture passages in it from from the nativity or the infancy narratives and Find those images that would easily convey our faith. Christmas wrapping paper, that's, that's also kind of a doozy to try to find, but just like endlessly just sort of fill, fill your world as much as you can with the preparations for Christ. And then when Christmas does come, right, go all out with that as well. And don't take your tree down on the 26th, please. Mm. Like, keep it up. You're just starting. Catholic Christmas goes at least until the second Sunday after Christmas. Well, and I think liturgically it's through the baptism of the Lord, right? Which is like almost February the third week? Or, or is, it, is it that long? Oh, no, the baptism of the Lord would be um, January 12th, but now we've bumped these things to Sunday, so it's really, it goes Holy Family, oh, okay. and then it goes, I think, the Epiphany, and then um, the baptism of the Lord. So I guess you get three kind of Christmassy Sundays there. <laughs> well, I, a friend of mine is a liturgist at a church. Oh, good. She can she, call in and correct oh, us well, if we she, got wrong. She chewed me out one year because we took it down. We took it down in Epiphany. No, And she's like, that's oh, not good. that's not good. That's not good. <laughs> I know that much. Uh, I thought you were getting at, there used to be the tradition in the church that um, it goes to February 2nd, the presentation of the Lord. right? And so some Catholics observe it that way as well. Personally, I think about the February 2nd piece, but my goal is have the tree all down and everything put away by Ash Wednesday, because that's just inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, my first year we were married, um, I was in the Army, and I got sent for a year to Korea, and so I couldn't be with my wife for that whole year. And so the next year, like, being away, we just left the tree up, and long story short, we kept it up accidentally. I mean, it was accidentally only until, like, March but we just kept it up all year, kind of like to remind ourselves how thankful we were for being with each other. That's beautiful. And so that first year we were together, we had a Christmas tree up the whole year. Now, I asked to do it a second year, and my wife said, no, that's crazy. So <laughs> we've only done I will, it for one year. I will admit that I have removed the final Christmas decorations 
somewhere near a day or two before Ash Wednesday. But think of how, how Advent, the preparation for Christ then, helped me prepare for Christ's final passion as well, right? Because it was like, oh, this, you need to put this away and start preparing your heart. Yeah, well, and one of the things I do like about, at least when my wife and I got married too, is like, how are we going to incorporate each other's family traditions that aren't liturgical or churchy, but they're ours and they're meaningful for us. And so they put a meaning behind Christmas and how we do this with our family. It's kind of fun. It's yeah. fun incorporating and amalgamating. Is that even a word? All these different things together that we do. And now that's what Christmas is. Like I almost don't even remember how we celebrated Christmas when I was a kid because I'm just used to celebrating Christmas the way that I do with our family, which is not the way it was when I was a kid. Well, maybe we can touch on those after the break. <laughs> do we ever get on a break? Uh, well, yeah, only, oh. only two minutes. We still, have, we, have, we still have time still. Great, great. So what were some things that you end up incorporating, the, the best thing that you got from your wife's family that you incorporated? Oh, goodness. That is a really... See, hey, wait a minute. I'm the host here. I know. You are. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> um, gosh, I, I'm, I'm kind of stunned. I know like some of the amalgamations we've done is when we went, before we were had kids, we went to Midnight Mass at Our Lady of Good council in vienna virginia that's where we were living okay and they did a very beautiful like christmasy um, um songs or whatever else you want to call it um carols or whatnot before the mass started and so we've tried to always make midnight mass a part of our christmas thing so it was not always easy because we have lots of young children and my wife would be very irritated when, you know, they're passed out in the pews and whatnot. I don't care. I think that's part of the beauty of it, right? Like, we're here, and this is how we're celebrating. And that has been something that we've not always been able to do because of my work schedule. But we do try to make sure we always make that midnight mass. And that's part of my growing up tradition, too, was the midnight mass. And, you know, we would—I grew up on a farm, so we'd milk the cows, have a little something to eat— open presents, right? Uh, then be a little bit sleepy, right? go to midnight mass, and then we had to milk cows in the morning. But my mom always had this, um, we had these pudding cookies that we had, which we knew that they came after midnight mass. So we were highly motivated to be fantastic at mass because oh, that's great. we went pudding cookies and then sleep for like three or four hours and then go and milk this, those cows and then have the big Christmas dinner. Uh-huh. And on the other side of this break, I'll tell you a little bit about how we incorporate being Jewish into our own family tradition. You're listening to Real Presence Radio. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, 
We want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Real Presence Live across the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm Nathan Sather. I'm your host today. And if you're just tuning in, I'm here with Stella Jeffrey, and we're talking a little bit about evangelizing our families and people around us during the Christmas and Advent season. And I left you a little tease about um, being Jewish in my Christmas tree. So um, when I really started learning about typology and how Jesus fulfills all these things in the Old Testament, it's like, how do I help my children realize that they are, you know, their Catholic faith is legitimately faithfully Jewish, right? And so one of the ways we did that is I found a tree topper, and it's just this cheap thing. It's like 17 bucks. It really is only cost 13 cents to make. I mean, it really is the cheapest thing I've ever purchased. Um, but it's the Star of David. And so when we set up the tree, usually it's like December 23rd, maybe early morning Christmas Eve, depending upon my work schedule, we'll put that tree topper up there. And then we have a series of prayers that we do. And when we get back from Midnight Mass, the Jewish Star of David tree topper comes down and we put up like a Holy Family tree topper. And so trying to help them see that they're transitioning from this Advent Jewish expectation with all these typological, you know, just beautiful typological things and realities that are now fulfilled in Christ in the New Testament. So that's, that's how great, we've, we've that's tried to do it. That's a great tradition. I was, when you started off, I was like, oh, I bet he's going to say the Jesse tree, which is another thing that we've incorporated every, we don't do it every year, but just this, again, kind of a scraggly little tree, but then we put little bulbs that have the scripture passage There's, uh, to the Old Testament, tying those connections of like, Jesus really is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. Yeah. Oh. Well, and, and trees are huge. I mean, trees are a big part of our Christmas traditions. Yes. I, as I knew I was going to be talking about Christmas today, I thought, Okay, what are some things that we do? Yes, we put a nativity out into our yard. And one year, I don't, I think it was with a year that my dad was his sickest. Um, we just didn't get it rolled out, right? And where's your nativity? So I was like, oh my gosh, the neighbors do notice. We have another neighbor who makes this gigantic two-story angel. He's a painter and he uses 
the painter's plastic and he has a frame. So the angel looks different every year. Same sort of situation. He was sick one year. A couple of neighbors went to him and said, hey, where's the giant angel, the two-story angel? And he's, he too just didn't notice that the neighbors were paying attention. And we were, you know, of doing, doing those kinds of things. So, so even though we're doing these, we'll say, outward witnesses, don't think they're like for nothing. People are, are noticing. They, when you have Santa elves, you know, reindeer, sleighs, and then I think I even saw a couple of Grinches, like those big blown up ones, right? And then you have a nativity in the midst of it. I mean, think of like how that perfectly symbolizes bringing Christ into the midst of the world that we're in, right? And just letting that light shine. And then I leave it, leave it on until at least... It's Ash down Wednesday. by before Ash Wednesday, but no, really, at least until, you know, mid-January that it would be. So the Christmas tree. So in my little looking for this interview, I was like, okay, I also, um, we do the Christmas tree. What is, what is with the Christmas tree anyway? So there's different traditions as to how the Christmas tree came about, but I found one on St. Boniface, which is the, my home parish. And, uh, and he, you know, the, the, the German... Um, saint who you know evangelizes the people. So here was the story. It says there's all kinds of originating stories about the Christmas tree. But Saint Boniface went to this um, community and they were had some sort of worship of this tree. So he went over and chopped it down. Right? And then he, it's here's what it says. It says Saint Boniface struck down the tree with his blow of his axe. Right. And they all took it as a sign from God, like, hey, this person could like chop down our God, right, or something like that. Then he decorated it with apples, which represented temptation, and candles to signify that Jesus is the light of the world. Thus, the German people would turn from their religious beliefs, but keep the tree as a Christian symbol and tradition. I thought it was a, a great thing. I'm like, ah, I would never, I would never skip the tree. It's probably because I'm German. This <laughs> is like one of those things that get passed down, passed down. Yeah. But other cultures have other like saints that they're really really a part of the Advent season, too. You have St. Nicholas on December 6th. I know plenty of people have shoes filled with candy by that good good St. Nick, who's just so excited about Jesus' coming, he just can't wait see, to spread the joy. See, I have a friend of mine who asked me to do that, and I was like, I don't think I want to put any candy in my kid's shoes. I know what those feet smell like. I don't think that's... <laughs> can we set them next to the shoes? Like, you know, maybe whoever put them in there... Couldn't you know, had too much of that spiked eggnog or something? Maybe, they couldn't maybe. find the holes in the shoes. Saint Nick, Saint Nick, he takes care of all that, right? He's oh, just yeah, yeah. A, he's just a jolly fellow. He's ready for it. Then you have Our Lady of Guadalupe, and um, our priest on Sunday said, "Our Lady of Guadalupe is so loved by the um, the people from Mexico that even the drug lords go to church <laughs> on, on this feast day." I was like, Okay, that's really funny. <laughs> now we don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But just this big, these big feasts that we have. The, 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 there's a lot of truth to that, though. Like how valuable that is to people from Mexico. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. I, I used to think, live in San Antonio. It's bonkers crazy. It is. It is. But it's also like wow. Like the culture just screams with joy that hey, the Savior's coming. Right? Jesus made this difference. This is a radical change for. Mexico, right? All of all of that country and all the people that are associated with that. Um, some people do Epiphany. One of my sisters has three gifts that are given on Epiphany, right? They they do Christmas gifts, but then when the three kings come, they also I, I don't know exactly how she does it, but it's like 
one is going to go to another person. One is something you need, right? And maybe you give someone else to the family. She's, please call in and tell me what you do. But, but that's on January 6th that they celebrate. Um, then there you really would be celebrating Christmas. Um, yeah, if she gives gold away... I, yeah, I could definitely be on that. Yeah, I'll yeah. call you. Call you. <laughs> the radio station also, you know, your uh, uh, yourcatholicradiostation.com. <laughs> <laughs> now all these all these ways were pretty pretty simple. I think like just kind of in the common things that we think of for Christmas, right? The the witness of Christ can just sort of come out, but it's kind of a silent witness, right? It's not really accompanied with words. I think the challenge for us is to take that extra step help people really get the clear gospel message. So I do have a tradition for myself that I like to bake, and I can't eat that many cookies, so I make plates for all of the neighbors on our block, the two sides, like 30 plates of cookies. And I could just put the cookies there, um, but I always include some note that would have a significant amount of the scripture story in there of who Jesus is, right? Um, um, most people receive the cookies and they're quite happy. Maybe they're not looking at the card, but there's that hope. So even that's a little bit more, but we can be more intentional even than that. You know, like really have people pause, right? Why do you think we do this? Why does the world change? At least our society, why do we change? Like everybody decides we're going to rejoice right yeah. around the month. Of, they're, they're doing that. How did that happen? Is this just some governmentally designed thing? And just like really bring it to people's tent. And people, some people are really suffering because there's so much joy around them and yet they have great losses. You know, that first Christmas without my dad who just loved Christmas um, was like hard to do Christmas. We did, we did all the things with Christmas, but it was like, wow, it's just not the same. And so to be attentive to that kind of thing, to go ahead and bring the light of Christ into those situations with words too, right? Help people know that life can be so much more, more than what we have right now if we knew Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. And I I do think that's something that is low-hanging fruit, so to speak. Like, I don't necessarily think everyone has to have their two-minute, you know, this is how Jesus impacted my, my, my life at the ready during the Advent season. But it really is low-hanging fruit. Like, every office has some kind of a Christmas party. Every, you know, secular organization, the JCs or whatever, they have some kind of a get-together. Like people feel compelled to do this. And why are we doing this? You know? yeah. no, it's even, I think it's even less than that. It's like, not only are they compelled to do Christmas and we'll say holiday parties or whatever word they put onto it, people are even stopping working to do that. Even big time people who like are constantly workaholics, they will stop and like, well, it's Christmas, we should. I mean, this is why the Christmas Carol is, is such an uh, exciting story, right? It's like, oh, even even Mr. Scrooge is like, wow, this has really caught my heart, you know. And it was about the charity of Christ, right, that he really just saw the good news and acted and then got to be part of enacting it. Yeah. Well, and I think that's another thing, not so much for the evangelization piece, but for the parenting piece, at least for myself. I just found out about St. Lucy's 
oh, feast day for- yesterday. Yes, we forgot about St. Lucy. Yeah. And, and so the idea of that's the day, the first day that you put on your Christmas lights. Mm-hmm. So we don't do the Christmas light thing at our house, but we went around driving through the neighborhoods looking at Christmas lights and doing that sort of a thing. And so that was, like, we basically said, we're going to be very intentional about this going forward. We're, that's going to be the first day we drive around looking at Christmas lights is the Feast of St. Lucy. So it's, it it's, it's flexible. And it's, that really helps your, your family, too. I know a family yesterday or a friend of mine shared with me that in there, in her daughter's family, who ha- I think they have six or seven kids, the girls take turns being St. Lucy. And they know they're going to get to be St. Lucy in this this time was Cecilia's turn to be St. Lucy. Right? She donned her St. Lucy costume early in the morning, and the photo that my friend received was St. Lucy sound asleep at the end of the day after being St. Lucy. <laughs> the first thing you get to do, I guess, is to bring cinnamon rolls to the rest of the family. That's part yeah, of yeah. how... I don't know the connection of cinnamon rolls to the light of Christ, but... Um, uh, well, it's... I, oh, my goodness. I do know this because I just read this yesterday. But basically, it's, it's, a, it's a shortened way of creating something that acknowledges the fact that she had her eyeballs taken out from what? her before she was executed. In a cinnamon roll? Well, because you can take the cinnamon roll, and if you roll it you know, the one way, and then the opposite way on the other side, it kind of looks like eyes. And so you can put like the icing in the middle of both curled this ends. This has now become a non-family show. <laughs> Well, not if you're eight. If you're, if you're an eight-year-old boy, this is this the is most like, exciting okay, this part. Is All right. So I blast uh, over into Luke, and we'll have a scripture uh, for uh, our... 20 seconds. Notice what Mary did. Mary finds out she's pregnant. And, and, and then Luke tells us, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste right, to visit Elizabeth right, and to let her know what had happened. We should do the same thing. Go out. Go with haste. Right. This is the season of joy, time. Right, some people are suffering. Like, yeah. Go ahead and, like you said, low hanging fruit. Pick the fruit. Let them know Jesus Christ is is gonna be born. Yeah, wonderful. And come again. Well, Stella, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Real Presence Radio. It's, it's great to be here. All right, we'll come back on the other side. We'll learn some basic survival skills. If your eyes get plucked out in the forest, you'll know what to do. We'll come right back to this. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. One of the region's most recognized holiday traditions, Christmas at the Cathedral presents Be Born in Me, featuring Shane McConnell, Shelley Jennings, music director Dan Goler, and actress Apollonia Davalos. Six productions, December 16th through the 19th at the Cathedral of St. Joseph. Get your tickets today at all Sioux Falls High V locations or online at ccfesd.org. Don't miss this inspiring Christmas celebration, Christmas at the Cathedral. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. We appreciate all the support our eye care clinic has received over the past year. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses. Lumen Vision is located across the street from Saints Anne and Joachim Parish in South Fargo. We accept a variety of vision and medical insurance plans. To schedule an appointment online, our website is www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. Hi, this is Father Jim Herder from the Diocese of Rapid City in South Dakota. Ever wondered what your gifts are? 
you know, sometimes in, in our diocese anyway, we've got this stewardship push right now. And one of the questions that we ask is, uh, what are your gifts? People sometimes just draw a blank as though they have no gifts or maybe they've never thought of it before. But you know, sometimes the things that we have that are gifts, actually they might not be anything super flashy. I mean, if you look at the lives of the saints, sometimes they were just regular people. Actually, most of the time they were regular people. You know, maybe they're good at juggling, for instance. You know, that's not everybody can do that. But like, how about you? You can listen to people. You can tell a joke. You got a sense of humor. Maybe you're a person that's uh, kind. Those are gifts that God has given you. And this is just an encouragement. Think about that. How can you use that? Maybe next time you're in a situation where you think that God's asking you to say something or do something, say a little prayer and let the Holy Spirit guide the gifts that God has given you. And let that be the way that you bring Christ into the world. Does someone who takes their own life automatically go to hell? I'm Father Chris Alar. In 1993, my grandmother took her life, and for years I carried this burden because she committed a grave sin and had no time to repent. But the Church states that certain mental conditions may reduce the responsibility of one who takes their own life. You are only eternally lost if you die in an unrepentant state of mortal sin. And for a sin to be mortal, three conditions must be present. And one of those conditions is complete free will. I don't believe many people freely want to take their life, so there is hope for their salvation. To learn more, please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost. And to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Nathan Sather, and I'm your host today. Um, we're trying to get our second guest lined up. He's going to teach us a little bit about how living in the wild and doing some wilderness survival techniques can help you and grow in your Catholic faith. Uh, but he's uh, at a location that we're not able to get phone connectivity to. Maybe he's in the wild. I don't know. Maybe his cell reception's not so good. Maybe he's fighting a bear right now. I don't, I don't really know. Um, it, it, we, we hope for his safety. Hopefully he's not having a St. Lucie moment struggling with wildlife out in the in the forest somewhere um but will hints is his name and we are still trying to get him but in the meantime i get to spend more time with my friend stella so i'm kind of excited about the opportunity to keep talking i mean not about saints that got their eyes plucked out before they were <laughs> murdered by someone because of their love for jesus but you've got something from the catechism I stella or you know oh come oh come emmanuel um, I think on Sunday we did, Oh, come, divine Messiah, right? Uh, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, right? That's sort of, sort of way, and, and we're anticipating it, but we also are celebrating at Christmas time that he has come. So not too profound, but it's, um, I'm sure the catechism has more, more to say about that, but that's like, how do we, how do, we do the come, Lord Jesus? I know that uh, I thought of another Christmas tradition that, we actually do. I just don't even realize that we, and that is we put the nativity sets up. We have a bunch of nativities from around the world, different places, and oh. um, we 
leave all the baby Jesus outs that we can from from the little the little manger scene, right? And if Jesus is connected, because sometimes baby Jesus is connected, then, then you just don't have that entire thing. And one of my brothers has the family find the hidden Jesus, and that's part of the Christmas that they have. Well, we, we do that too, actually. The parish you work at, right? Isn't that where Father Ross from Boise works? Am I wrong? Oh, yeah, Father Laframboys works there, oh, yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I went to Napoleon one time when he was the pastor down there. And we've always wanted to have like straw for our uh, indoor manger oh, scene sure. for our house, right? And so as we're leaving, he's walking me out of the church, and they've got this huge scene with just hay bales upon hay bales upon hay bales, right? And as I'm leaving, we I'd forgotten to get straw for that particular year, right? And so like the Lord provides, right? Here's this giant church scene with those hay bales everywhere. And I'm like, Father, can I get some of that straw? for our manger scene at home, you know? And he kind of has this just awful look on his face, like, oh my goodness, I don't want to say no, but no, this is our manger scene. I don't, <laughs> I don't want you like taking, you know, hay bales back. Well, long story short, you know, he's like, sure, I suppose that's okay. And I just barely take a little handful, you know? And he's like, oh, that's all you wanted? I'm like, yeah, just a small little <laughs> scene in our home. He's like, oh, I thought you were gonna start taking hay bales out of our scene. <laughs> But his, his kindness and graciousness in that, like, even yes. though he hesitated, didn't want to say yes, because we had a miscommunication there, he was still willing to, to let someone... Um, yeah, he probably had a different vision that you were going to take a whole hail bale, bale. Well, that's great that you got the straw for your manger. Yeah, yeah, but he, he's such a, a very kind and gentle man. I'm very impressed with him. Good, good, yeah. yes. He, has, he is very, um, very good with the brokenhearted and being able to minister to them and... Um, share, yeah, just share Christ's love with them. Yeah. So when when you brought up the make haste thing at the end, do you mind if I make a comment on Oh, that? of course, please do. Uh, how, how do we do that well? Because there's supposed to be action, and I really struggle with this myself, right? I'll get this little prompting like, hey, you should do something, and then I'm like, well, is that really a thing? Or, you know... And then weeks go by and months go by, and I probably let an opportunity that I was being prompted to do something because I don't act on it with haste, especially when it comes to evangelizing and, and following the promptings of the Spirit to reach out to somebody, that opportunity is now lost forever. So how do you gauge acting with haste but not being reckless at the same time? How do you feel after you don't listen and you think you should have listened? Terrible. To, right, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just yeah. it. Is that, so now knowing that, like that, that there we go. Sorry, I, I somehow bumped a cord here. I don't have it fixed. I'll try not to touch anything else. Um, like, I think one way to sort of motivate ourselves and just like know, like the Lord really was calling me to do something, is just like have it in mind that there are real things that Nathan is supposed to do, real people that you've been entrusted to tell the good news to, right? Take them the next step closer to Christ that they have, right? And if you don't if you don't do it, um, is there a backup plan? I don't I don't know exactly God's will, right, to have that. So for myself, because I really am like quite in a hurry, I, I intentionally set more time aside, right? Um so I know that filling gas maybe only takes five, seven minutes, right? But as I sort of plan out the day, I'll say I'm going to like leave 
a space, right? Leave 15 minutes or a half hour, right? Um, many people have heard me talk about the gas station or just, right, I use the gas station as an example because we all need to fill gas, but we're buying groceries, right? We can be very intentional about trying to get to the same people, right, in those, in those times. And we can go when they're not busy. We know that buying groceries at 3.30 in the afternoon in Fargo is maybe not the best time to try to strike up a conversation with the checkout person right. because they're trying to move a line. Right, or at the gas station too, you know, 7.30 to 8.30 is not really the best time to do that. Um, so as far as make haste then, is like those promptings, you could, you said, is it make haste or make reckless is what we're looking yeah. at, right? It's just like eventually we learn to hear the Lord's voice and how the Lord speaks to us, right? For myself, like if it's a prompting and I think, oh, it's just kind of wild, I like say, Lord, if this is... If this is you, please bring it up again later on today or, you know, without really making a lot of effort at it. And sometimes I act right away and sometimes it just comes back. Not too long ago, it was so out of the blue that that I don't want to say too much because the person I might actually be listening, but it was to share a scripture passage with some random person, right, who I don't know that I've ever had a conversation with on the phone or in person a couple times, but not calling them up. And it just was on my heart, on my heart. Like, that's crazy. I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Right? Um, and then I was like, Lord, okay, I'll, I'll please bring it up again. And then I did kind of forget. And then it was like every day. I would start my prayer, like, prayer time, like, do it, do it. I'm like, no way. Then finally one afternoon at, while I was working at Holy Spirit, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I just called the person up at work. I was like, oh, I don't, I'm really going to, I shared the passage and I knew what it was about, right? And how it was very personal. Um, and I was like, okay, I wanted to say, okay, goodbye. <laughs> right? Right. That's all I got to do, right? I was like, and I just paused and just said, I just want you to know that I really think that the Lord is asking me to share this with you, right? And it was exactly what needed to be heard. And now over the course of the last couple of months, it's been very much a stronghold for that person. Like, nope. This word has been shared and spoken, and I know it's from the Lord, right? I need to trust in the Lord over this particular situation. And I didn't really know the details until I had shared the passage. Um, so anyway, that, that make haste, people just got to keep in mind, like, the, everybody needs to know the Lord, right? Even you, like, you know the Lord, but then you need to know that the Lord still remembers you, Right? Like, he really does care for you. And when another person is involved, it's like, Lord, you wanted to reach me so seriously that you sent another person, yeah. you know. Um, so even, Which is what God did. Yeah, it's like, like he yeah, sent a person. Like, even when we're, <laughs> like, already converted and we already love the Lord, it's like, those things matter so much, you know. Um, so you have your evangelization, but you also have, like, an ongoing conversion or, you say, ongoing fellowship that supports people. This is all absolutely part of how we are family not just like our little family but our family family with our parish family with our extended community family with all of humanity is that the lord wants us all right and some of us really are the mouthpiece right some of us really are the hands the feet right um to the rest yeah. of the body well I was on the receiving end of that uh, gentleman I used to work with years ago. I really honestly haven't talked to him for probably six years or more. Uh, it might even be longer than that. 
uh, calls me out of the blue. I still had his name, you know, in my phone. And he's like, hey, you need to find a guy named Mark Holcraft. And I was like, okay, I, I know Mark. It's like, you need to do Exodus 90 with Mark Holcraft. Oh, no. Year. And I was, wait a minute. No, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but, like, that's how God works, right? And I was like, oh, man. There I, was a I, woman <laughs> who, when I still was not even probably in 20 years old yet, from all across the state, her name is Delilah Mayer, saw my picture in the paper somewhere, decided to start praying for me, and then called me and said, I just wanted you to know that I'm praying for you. I'm like, who are you? You live in where? Mott, North Dakota? I have to look at the map to see where it was, right? But she, she had done that for more than one person, and I still treasure her and her family and her prayers, right, that she would care over all these years. Yeah. Shout out to Delilah. Love you. <laughs> and we'll be right back. You're listening to Real Presence Live across the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 